Welcome to the Mega Man's Podcast with your host, Steven Martinez, a.k.a. Mega Man. Uh, this will be episode 161 of Beer Talks 48. I have a very, very, very special guest. We're going to keep it very local in the city of Long Beach. Uh, my guest for today is Stan, and he works at Liquorland over there by Pixby Nose, man. Stan, what's up, man? Hey, good morning. How's it going? <laughs> good, good. How's everything all going? Uh, you just came back from your honeymoon. Oh yeah, long trip. Um, drove up the coast and mm -hmm. had a good time. I mean, it was, everything was closed, but you know we we made it work. How was the, how was the trip? It was like a long, like almost like a day and a half. Oh, we spent about four days up there uh, trying to <laughs> trying to find things to do. <laughs> um, you know, we stayed in the car the first night. It was it was madness. It was just like just chaotic. We huh. we tried our best to you know plan something, but everything was closed. There's too many people. You know we just. We just needed to get away, so we went up to Big Sur and found a camping ground up there and stayed there the, mo the majority of the time, yeah. Wow, man, it's like going all the way over there and um, just going camping. What was the last time I've been camping? It's been a minute. <laughs> it's it's fun. It's, uh, it's a good way to get out and stay away from people for the most part it's, uh, and, and still not stay at home. <laughs> no, trust me, like get away from the city, just take a drive and just clear things up. I oh, mean, yeah. There's so much things going on in LA. It's like you know what? I just, just do a road trip. Yeah, things are so bad, you know. It's like slumming. It's a mm -hmm. epic vacation. Like, <laughs> just, just go out and be homeless for a couple of days. Yeah. Is... <laughs> was it hot or cold over there? I was in the, the weather was actually pretty mild. It was nice. It wasn't All too right. hot. It wasn't too cold. It was just like nice and tepid. Oh my gosh! <laughs> hey, did you uh, have you did you go to any of the breweries over there? Uh, yeah, I went to Central Coast Brewing. I went to Slow Brewing. Went to Libertine. Mm -hmm. um, that's pretty much. Oh, I went to Alvarado Street as well. Of course, had to. Um, this is a lot of breweries that were up there that just were not. It, you know, it was kind of like a ghost town. It was like some of the places were open, some of the places were not, and the ones that could be open had to have like food. I guess it was. It was. It was a whole thing. So a lot of the breweries I wanted to check out mm -hmm. uh, were not available at the time that I went. So there, there were a few. Um, all good visits. I couldn't. It, the trip wasn't about breweries, unfortunately, so I couldn't yeah. really make that a focal of, mm -hmm. of going up there. But definitely made sure to stop by a few. So we hit, we hit a few in, the, you know, in Santa Barbara. Hit a couple up there. My favorite's Third Window. So I haven't been there yet. Oh, great place, man! They, they've been their brewing capacity is a little bit lower now because of COVID, but their their beers are fantastic, and they use locally. I wouldn't say locally sourced things, but they do a lot of local collabs. Like there's a local chocolatier that's around there mm -hmm. uh, called, uh, is it 21 Birds or something like that? I mm -hmm. forget the name, but they do a collab with them every year and they do collabs with other people in the area that, that make things. Mm -hmm. And they, it's it's fantastic. I, if, you, if you ever get a chance and you're in Santa Barbara, definitely go check them out. Yeah, last time I've been to Santa Barbara, I was like little, went to go to uh, see the Hearst Castle. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That was like that was like back in the day and stuff. And uh, there's a lot of good breweries out there in Ventura around that area too. There's a few. I haven't I haven't checked out the Ventura scene yet because mm -hmm. it seems like a lot of those places. Um, I don't know if they just don't advertise or just aren't very vocal breweries. But mm -hmm. I, I I tend to spat, just drive right through Ventura. I'm like, oh, there's downtown. There's the pier. Oh, great. And you just just keep going. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't want to make it in the habit of stopping there. Same with Oxnard. But um. Yeah, one of these days I'm going to have to roll through and check it out. Cool, cool. Yeah, like uh, the reason I wanted to get you on because um, 
I think it was the first time I met you, uh, someone tagged me and I won something. <laughs> it was a car like, hey, and when, I was, when I was with my lady, she's like, hey, look, he's like, pick one. I was like, huh? Yeah. And I remember I got one and um, the first beer I got over at Liquorland was the, the Beechwood. Uh-huh. Uh, was it the the hazies one? Um, twenty eight day, twenty eight haze. Ever yeah. since then, I um, I bought another four pack, and uh, I waited for like a month, and it t- came out really delicious. Oh yeah, that's a really good beer. And you know what? That was the first time ever I tried Beachwood. <laughs> I'm a local oh, from Long Beach, so it was good. And uh, I went to your uh, inside the cooler, man. Oh, there are so many freaking beers. I'm glad I got to pop your Beachwood cherry. Yeah, Beachwood cherry. <laughs> And uh, when I was talking to you, man, you're very knowledgeable, like a lot about like the craft beer industry, like the sales and this. And it's like, how did you? How did, I mean, getting getting into the into the beer game and stuff like that, it, it's a whole new world. Well, there's levels to it. I yes. mean, I, I started out just in general retail selling alcohol because it was a thing we had on the shelf. So yeah. it was never a passion of mine initially, so much as one that I developed over time. So. When you get into beer, once you cross a certain threshold, that you get excited about the nuance and subtlety of it instead of just the alcoholic effects of beer, which is, of course, the most fun. But, yes. You know, as you start to care about why certain beers start tasting different and why certain beers cost more, as you start getting into those questions, if you care enough, it's really easy to, to fall into that rabbit hole of craft beers, I'm sure you know. Oh, yeah. You start getting into, oh, my God, like, why does this beer taste like... You know, like I licked a tree, and why does this other beer taste like I'm licking a piece of candy? And like, and to, and to call them both beer. Mm-hmm. So it's it's one of those things that is 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 mystif. You know, sorry, <laughs> it uh, there's mystique to it. Mm-hmm. You you want to learn why certain things taste a certain way and yes. why they you know how they're made. So you you get involved, you start caring a bit more, and so. Then you find a little sense of camaraderie with like the people that are in that scene, the brewers, mm-hmm. the people who love beer, people who know more than you and can share that information. And you start joining, you know, um, uh, forums like Beer Advocate. You go in there. I've been on Beer Advocate since 2014. I might have them on hopefully by the end of the year. Oh yeah, no. Todd, Todd and them, and Todd and Jason are, are are fantastic people. Just from how I've talked to them through the forums Super over the nice. years. And they've they've been really good about um, making sure that like that beer is available and not exclusive, and you can be a part of that discussion with them on that level and and talk. And lately, uh, they've been doing a lot of work to really push out some of the more negative elements of the beer society. The people that just think that beer is for them and not for anyone that doesn't look or mm-hmm. <laughs> appear the way they do. Yeah, yeah. And so that's. Um, that's a big misconception in craft beer is that they, you know that there are certain people of color that just they don't like it. It's not it's not a part of their world. It's not the mm-hmm. part of their history, and yeah, yeah. it's a skewed perspective. Mm-hmm. And beer advocates doing a lot nowadays to uh, you know it wasn't as much an issue before. I don't think they really could tell that it was as as, as divisive as it was, but mm-hmm. they've done a lot recently to um, to make sure they've they've corrected that, and I, I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, because, uh, you know, when you go look on social media and stuff like that, you know, uh, you know, I always see, um, I follow Crowns and Hops, like mm, Theo and yeah. Benny, and they always promote or beer thug life or what's going on, because, you know, there's some breweries out there that they are very racist. Oh, yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, you know, and um, I don't know if you follow Hops Galore. Mm-mm. Uh, uh, she's really really nice. I had her on my podcast. She went to a, a I don't know like a beer festival in Las Vegas, 
and uh, they were slurring racial slurs at her and stuff and she posted a story she was crying she's like what's this going on in, in the craft beer scene and that we're all just all, all as one you know when it comes to the craft beer you know but why is this thing still going on still yeah you know i just it, it hurts my heart that's unfortunate i mean it, it's it's i i can't excuse you know the, what happened of course with that but you know it's Mm-hmm. Problems aren't uh, aren't the same from state to state. You know, it's, mm-hmm. some of them are nicer, some of them are worse. So, the craft beer scene is as polarizing as the states that they're located in. So it's it's not it's not anyone's fault. It's just it's all going to take some time before we get to this equilibrium where everyone mm-hmm. can just go wherever they want and be just as mm-hmm. safe and enjoy uh-huh. a good beer. You yeah, because when I when I'm going to start traveling, um, I follow uh, like I said, uh, Crowns and Hops, mm-hmm. uh, War Cloud. Mm-hmm. Uh, black beer traveler oh yeah i had him on and uh you know he always shows uh, a lot of the minorities of the the breweries out there in atlanta new york they're out there there's some killers out there oh yeah and uh, i want to check them out i was like man there's a lot of good breweries out there in texas and atlanta oh yeah no i i follow uh, beer traveler as well and um I've, i met him actually in a different group that mm-hmm. i that i was a part of on facebook um, yeah that was long before uh the crown and hops couple uh, came about like more prominently like they yes. uh i think they i think some of the guys in the group knew them too but i, I met them just because you know they were hype beasts in the scene but they were do- they were all about like hey you know black people drink beer so let's all hang out together yeah and sometimes we would go and like flash mob a brewery just, <laughs> just so they oh surprise here's all here's a bunch of black people that you didn't expect but we're all we all know what we're talking about we're all getting good beer we're all having a good time but mm-hmm. just to sort of be present you know just to show mm-hmm. up meet up and, and hang out just like anybody else and mm-hmm. uh, and and just be there and, and show them like yeah we, we we're in here like we we do care about your brewery we do want your beer and uh, you should consider us when you when, <laughs> as a as a demographic in a sense and I mean not because not, not every brewery is just like excluding black people but it's not like it's just like it's automatic like oh no we don't want the blacks to drink our beer like it's that's not what's going on typically yeah. it's just mm-hmm. the status quo is that you know the majority of people who have the time, the resources, and you know have uh, have been in households where beer is normally drank. It's you know it's it, it's not it's not us unfortunately, but mm-hmm. we're, we're looking to change that. And that's just you know it, it is beer is fantastic. If you've ever if you've never home brewed before, if you've never made beer, <laughs> I suggest you try it. Just to even if you fail, it's going to give you a better appreciation for how beer is made. It looks so simple. It, it, it looks like it looks simple. A, yeah, you look at a few recipes. You're like, oh, four <laughs> four ingredients. I can I can take care of that. Yeah. What's that? What's that beer kit you used to get at, at CVS? Yeah, and you mess it up. Kit, yeah. Tastes like crap. Like, what did I do? You yeah, know? but that's you know what? You even if you failed, you still made beer. It's not good beer, but you made beer. You did the science. Mm-hmm. Now you got to learn the finesse. Now you got to get the technique down. Now you got to mm-hmm. get the timing down. Mm-hmm. There's all these other things that go into it that you don't appreciate. And then when you're drinking that beer that you were complaining about five days ago and wow drain pour you still can appreciate that that even that beer you did not like still took some sort of time mm-hmm. and effort to try and make mm-hmm. maybe they didn't succeed by your standards but they still made a pretty big effort to make that beer mm-hmm. and you got to have some respect for that too yeah there's a there's a brewery out there at uh, san dimas uh shout outs to aurelio from a uh, feather uh feather serpent uh feather serpent uh brewery uh, he had no experience of making beers. He wasn't even a home brewer. He just like, you know what? I'm going to open a brewery. And <laughs> with no experience, didn't know how to brew and all that, he's like, I was self-taught. Oh, wow. I was like, you open a brewery and you didn't know how to make beer? It must have cost him a lot or he's just a genius. But yeah, but his, <laughs> it took time, but his I'll beers bet. were like, 
yeah, that's ballsy to, to open a brewery and you haven't made no beer. Yeah, that's and a, not even no experience. And he he was reading books on YouTube and this is like, oh, yeah. and now his breweries it's like it's really good. It's a labor of love. If you if you don't love what you're trying to make, even if you put a lot of effort into it, you'll never come up with anything good. Mm-hmm. You, you have to love doing it. You have to love the failures as much as as much as the successes, mm-hmm. because you enjoy and respect the process. Mm-hmm. If you if you don't respect the process, then you better hire someone who does because you're you're gonna you're gonna burn hard mm-hmm. yeah. because the craft beer community is very unforgiving when it comes to mediocre beer. I mean, um, this there's a brewery that was kind of like the, the progenitor of the hype, like candy stout kind of thing, the pastry stout game, like all that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I can't, I can't. I'm losing the name. They are what city? They were some semi-local, and they they were the ones that used to have the cereal rolled into the wax tops. Cereal. Brew Rebellion. Where's that at? So there's a there was a brewery called Brew Rebellion, and around 2013 to 15, they were like the hype beer, and I don't think anyone really knew that the beers weren't all that good, but they just they it looked, it had everything that you'd want to see on Instagram. Like it was just the the wax top bottle and it oh, had cereal that. it had cereal like the like fruity pebbles rolled off in the thing and they were always terrible but they, you know no one cared because it was like the can it was it was all bottles but it was just like they they did something no one was doing in beer at the time and they were like showing like beer can be this beautiful looking thing and cost you a lot would still not taste the greatest, but no one's palate, you know, no one's palates were as defined back then. Like there was a lot of breweries that were experimenting with that stuff or were fledgling. They weren't, it wasn't something they were used to doing. It was like nitro was still like a yeah. edgy, edgy thing in beer. And it's like Guinness has been doing it for, I don't know, or like brood IPA. Years. Remember brood IPA? Oh yeah. That was you a don't whole, see that no more. That was a whole movement for all of a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I know. One hit wonder. Oh yeah, turn your head and it's like, oh, where'd the brutes go? And they're gone. People, yeah. are, people are still asking me about getting brutes in the store, and it's like I can't. They don't. They stop making it. The last, the, the last time I seen a brute IPA is uh, Ballast Point. Mm-hmm. They made some, and I think I saw some from Steady Brewery. Okay. Oh, and but I haven't seen it ever since. Yeah, it's been a bit. There used to be. They used to be everywhere, flooding the the market, and everybody wanted it because it was just the newest thing. It didn't matter if they knew what a brute IPA was or not. Mm-hmm. They just knew that it was a new kind of uh, beer style, and they just wanted to get in on that zeitgeist while it was hot. And it didn't last very long. And the funny thing is, a lot of people, <laughs> the tide of that thing changed so quickly because there were a few people who were very outspoken about, you know, brewed IPAs being terrible, and they they sold that concept to so many people that they they people who liked it stopped getting it because they didn't want to get made fun of. They didn't want to look unsavvy or what have you. It was you. good. The one I tried, oh, yeah. the Brute IPA, I mean, I tried at Steady and also uh, Dan and Jesse from uh, Tim House. Oh, yeah. They made, I mean, I mean, so many breweries, you know, but it, it's it's right now, it's all about West Coast IPAs and hazies. Oh, yeah. You, you're going to get some, it's like the rap game. You're going <laughs> to East Coast, West Coast, it's going to happen. You know, it's going to be Jay-Z versus Tupac all over again. Yeah, so, <laughs> I, yeah, so with the beer cans, I, I always get iffy, like, Okay, like we're gonna we're having a beer right now, mm-hmm. and I like the beer, but I always want to try the beer. But it's like if you buy it, like let's say for example, a beer four pack costs thirty dollars, and when you try it, oh my god, I'm just pouring that beer out of the sink. It was it's, it's nasty. Yeah, that's that's why we have singles at our store. And I know yes. that I know that a lot of stores are starting to pick up on that and everything. And mm-hmm. here's the thing, that's not a new idea. When I was working 
years ago at this place called World Market. World Market was the first store oh, that okay. I had been to and worked in that singles. sold not not just singles, but still they had way more imported beers yes. than most places. They had they they were they were kind of like one of those stores that kind of started selling things that other stores didn't have. Mm-hmm. And if you were a beer store, you probably knew all your stuff by then. But there were so few and far between. So I think that a weird furniture store like Cost Plus was selling beer from international waters. Like it was just crazy the stuff that they would get because you wouldn't see that stuff. They would get it just because it was international. They didn't know if it was good or not. But they sold it in singles. And you were allowed to go in there and just buy a variety of different beers and check them out and see how you felt about it. And a lot of people came to our store exclusively because they could do that. It didn't matter that the beers were on the shelf, a dry shelf, they weren't kept cold because it wasn't, we weren't a, you know, a beverage kind of place. We were just a place that had stuff that was international. Mm-hmm. So, they, you know, of course we rotated the stock, but they, they, they kept the beers on just the dry shelf. So people come in anyway, anyway. You know, they're like, can't you guys get these, these beers cold? And we're like, no, we can't do that. And they would still come to get the interesting beers that you couldn't find anywhere else. I mean, the first time I ever had Samuel Smith's Organic Chocolate Stout was at... Um, Cost Plus? Cost Plus, yeah. It was the first time I had ever had it. And it was like, oh, a chocolate beer? I'd never even knew that existed. Let's try it out. Oh, my God, this is amazing. And you start learning. Again, I, I started learning early on what beer could be versus what I thought beer was. And that meant even in the most basic styles versus all the more art, like crazy stuff, like people just throwing things in there. So weird beers and crazy beers and unique beers never were foreign to me. Um, And then once you start training for like the Cicerone program, you start learning and appreciating more basic styles. You start learning what a true Kolsch is. You start learning all the background of that beer and try to appreciate the nuance and subtlety of such a simplistic style that's not easily imitated. You have to be a real master of beer to nail like a lager because it's there's nothing you can hide behind that. You can't you can't hide a you can't hide you know what I mean. You can't sweeten it up. You can't add something in lo- there. I heard lagers are hard to make. Right, and they're the most basic style of beer. Yes. So we. we give a lot of crap to the you know the big companies what they're that are out there making these big mask macro produced lagers but you ask a small producer to make a lager and they have a hard time with it yeah it's uh, the temperature it's with everything man it's like yeah yeah but uh pretty much in a way like yeah um it it, it makes a lot of sense of uh world market and everything because that was the first one that always had like uh seen uh day selling singles and you've seen all these varieties, and sometimes in a way, you'll get like a box, and you get like six beers into in, in a box. It's like, oh wow, this is like 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 a gift or something like that. Like you go into a baby shower or or a birthday or something like that. Oh yeah, no, it's fun to have a nice variety pack of different things from different breweries for those who are uh, you know initiated or not initiated. Is this beer is supposed to be fun? Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be a chore. It shouldn't be something stressful. It shouldn't be something that you you know lose sleep over. Um, mm-hmm. Let the brewers deal with that. But you know the you should be able to go to a store and find something you haven't tried and be excited to at least try it. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's that's the idea with our store. We try to make sure we offer a sense of excitement, a, a little bit of wonder. Like I often joke that I'm like this Willy Wonka of craft beer because it's just like <laughs> you, you walk in and it's just there's so many different beers. I, I think I have like over I, I I wish I was exaggerating. I think I have like over three or four hundred different beers. Like. 
from everywhere. And, and, and for everyone who's going to be listening to this, uh, what do you do? Uh, you work at uh, Liquorland. Yeah, Liquorland. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we're we're a store that's been around since the, you know, the '40s. There was a store called Rancho Liquor. Uh, yes. It turned into Liquorland somewhere in the '80s, I guess. And then we took over about maybe five years ago, five mm-hmm. or six years ago. Mm-hmm. And I've been there for the last three years. Mm-hmm. And oh man, we used to have a bad reputation. That store was uh, the, my predecessor, the guy that was running the beer program before me. Yes. Uh, he was just about buying whatever he could and getting it on the shelf. But, you know, it's it's rough when you don't have the customer base to support your stock. You have to you have to buy and, and, and support what you can sell. And beer doesn't have an infinite shelf life. So you have to be really smart and, and, and careful about how you run your beer program. And it can change. You can, mm-hmm. it can grow in some ways and shrink in some others, but it has to be flexible. Otherwise, you're doomed to fail because... If you're having way too many IPAs on your shelves and not enough people are drinking IPAs, you've got a lot of IPAs that are going to die. you got a lot of beers that are going to yeah. fall flat and get old and, mm-hmm. and terrible within four months. I want to talk about that because when working there, and you, it, it, it's like it's the cost in this, like how much you're going to bring in, mm-hmm. um, how long is the beer going to last for, mm-hmm. what's going to happen when you go out of day, do you throw the beers away, do you mark them down, that's where something like, the, it, you have to keep on rotating it and you got to have all the beers fresh. Oh yeah. It, how was that like? Well, one of the keys to keeping beer fresh is, is scientific. It's, you know, the, the date is, an, I, I feel like the date on the beer is a little bit of a, of a suggestion. And I know that there's a, a venomous <laughs> element in the craft beer community about freshness and yes. I, I i understand that completely and to those people i say lighten up um the beer is not gonna die at midnight on the day that the can says it's just it's not and, you, and even if you think you perceive some difference in taste the beer is still not bad mm-hmm. and it's not like you're really ever gonna know like there, there are ways to tell when a beer has, has turned absolutely but it's not like they turn on that day at that time, literally at that moment. It, that that's that's only if like you let a beer like sit like for a year. No, no, no. I, what I'm trying to say is that the, the <clears throat> excuse me, the, the beers even though they they have a date, that date is what's called a dry shelf date. So a dry shelf date is what you get if you went to Total Wine or Bevmo, and that beer sat out on that shelf unrefrigerated for three or four months. Oh, that beer is going to deteriorate and it's going to start losing its flavor it's going to start changing chemically it's going to start tasting bad because it's left out on a warm shelf for four months so that beer has that long of a life in four months on a dry shelf if you kept that beer refrigerated like we do Mm -hmm. from the moment you get it that beer's life has been extended by a very large margin so that beer is going to last you Instead of four months, it could last you as much as six or seven without changing in flavor because you've kept it from degrading by keeping it at a, at a temperature that's going to make it degrade slower. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's not ever going to go bad. It's just going to take a lot longer for it to get that way on its own. All right, everyone. Uh, we had to take a break for a second. One of my landlords had to come and just check the house. Stan, you didn't let me know. You didn't even let me, Megan, I know it's your birthday, man. Hey, you know, when you get to a certain age, birthdays are just days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What'd you do for your birthday? I got drunk. Oh, well, that's <laughs> typical. You, did you, uh, when you got drunk, did you keep up very local in Long Beach? Oh, of course, man. I, I love Long Beach. Um, I, I've only been here eight years, but mm. 
I'm an LA native, and I've, I've lived in uh, West Coast, uh, sorry, like West Culver City area, way back on like Fairfax when like Alpha Beta was around. Alpha was Beta. Yeah, yeah. If you remember Alpha Beta, Lucky's, all those kind of old school LA shops that were around back in the day, just mm-hmm. like just it was a different era, you know. But I've moved around quite a bit, and it's the funny thing. It's like I'm not a Long Beach native, not born and raised here, but having been everywhere else. There's nowhere else I'd rather live, man. It's it's definitely, it's definitely got a place, a special place in my heart as far as like places that I would live or try to fight to stay in. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Long Beach is a fantastic city. It's got everything that mm-hmm. I could ever want, um, and it's 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 even getting better. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, save for the gentrification and mm-hmm. the moving out of certain people. Uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's... I try to make sure to be one of the ones who fights to stay here and be present. You know, yeah. we, we can't let the people of color get moved out. We can't let the uh, middle class be dissolved. You gotta let people that have lived their whole lives in Long Beach stay in Long Beach. They deserve to, and we gotta make that easier for them. Um, when that whole thing happened with uh, the protests uh, from from uh, George Floyd, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, you know, having those riots right, you know, there, I think that was a setup right there, all because they want to tear down all that where the old Walmart used to be. Mm-hmm. I think it was a setup just to tear all that shit down. I mean, there there's a lot of theories out there and I believe there's a modicum of truth to any of them just because uh, you never know. You never know what, what someone's intentions are when it comes to certain things. I know the protests were intended to be uh, a good thing. My wife was there. She's not mm-hmm. she's not someone who's going to like throw a Molotov cocktail in a building. Like, that was <laughs> a sad. A lot of people yeah. who, who went down there went down there for the right reasons and... There were a lot of people who went down there for other reasons, and you can't always tell who's who in a crowd. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that weren't social distancing while they were down there, getting everybody themselves sick. Uh, there's a, mm-hmm. There was a lot of things that came out of the situation that were that were worse than why the protest was happening you know, in a lot of ways. It was a really unfortunate situation. Yeah, and our store got hit too. And again, really? Oh yeah, I, we got hit the uh, that that Sunday. And they came in. There was a caravan of cars that went up Long Beach Boulevard that broke away from the protest. That all their whole purpose in life was to loot, uh, was to, to take businesses out and steal. And they weren't part of the protest. They broke off completely, hit a bunch of stores on Long Beach Boulevard and Atlantic, and then hit the freeway and took off. They, they weren't even part of the initial protest. They just showed up for the chaos. That's pretty sad where outsiders come and, and do all this shit. And... Uh... You know, when they started looting all Anaheim Street and Long Beach Boulevard, I mean, a lot of the urban areas and stuff like that, they, oh, yeah. they hit hard. And and um, when they, you show the pictures that they broke, it really hurt my heart because, oh. like, why do people have to do? But there was a lot of people were saying there's people in caravans just going looting everything. Oh, yeah. Well, one thing I can't understand for the life of me is why this there's, there's a particular store. Up Long Beach Boulevard that just keeps getting hit over and over again. I don't, I don't, I don't know if someone was wronged by the owner, but I think I know who it is. Is, is it that Long Beach Creamery? It is. It is. <laughs> that thing got hit up like twenty times. I, I don't know what's going on with that ice cream store. I know the ice cream's amazing, but that place keeps getting robbed. Yeah, <laughs> I don't understand what's going on. Right I don't now. know. It's just like every time it picks me nose on Facebook and this Long Beach Creamery got hit. Yeah, they it got hit. They, they took all the ice cream. Yeah, you it, know, maybe it's a publicity stunt. Maybe they're trying to, like, to get some. Uh, 
some some press. I don't know. But I was like, yeah, when you when it, when he was like, well, only one in Long Beach who got hit of his Long Beach Creamery, but when like when they hit you up and. It, you know, I was worried, like, hey, are they going to hit up Liberation or Ambitious Ale or this? I was DMing everyone. Like, oh, yeah. and I, you know, I was like, hey, you guys okay? No, thankfully, it was just a crime of opportunity. There was no, they, there was no plan. They didn't, they didn't, they just wanted to get in and see what was there. And, mm -hmm. you know, they didn't, they didn't know what they were looking for. They weren't looking for anything in particular. It was just, just random. I saw the cameras. It was just chaos. They, they take they, any beers? They, they came in. No, they they came in. They don't know shit about. Like, no, man. They're looking at the cameras. They're just screaming and running around and not knowing what to do. They smashed a couple of registers uh -huh. at the uh, the green olive of the restaurant that's in there. And, yeah. Uh, and then came and smashed the high end liquor uh, cabinet, and that was about it. They took about you know a few thousand dollars worth of merch, but you know, thankfully, no one was hurt, mm -hmm. and our store was, which we we spent a lot of money in renovating, was intact. They just smashed a couple of doors. Took a couple of things, but you know, lives were spared, and a lot of businesses didn't recover from that. A lot of businesses that got hit got hit in irreparable ways, and we were Hard. lucky. That's why we don't we don't complain because, yeah, it happened, and I mention it because it happens. As a matter of fact, but we're we're gonna survive. We're gonna be just fine, and that's a, there's a lot of businesses that were hit by either COVID or the protests, uh, and you know the the people that that fringed off of that. That aren't gonna make it. That aren't gonna come back. And that's that's the unfortunate thing. And again, reason why, you know, you you have to support your local businesses in some capacity. Oh yeah. You gotta you gotta keep oh, the yeah. yeah keep that money in your local economy. Support your neighbors. Support you know the people that work for them, and and keep them afloat. And, you know you you can't rely on outside money all the time to 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 spur business, and because New York's a tourist city, and you're not actually stable. And that's the thing. You gotta make sure. That you're keeping your own taken care of. You, know, you mm -hmm. that you shop locally. That you oh, yeah. you get the, your groceries from people that you that you know, and you know, it's it's better that way. It's not it's not xenophobic in a sense. We don't we don't not want outsiders in Long Beach or anything like that. It's just mm -hmm. but you want to make sure that those mom and pop stores and those people, your neighbors, their jobs are secure, and you want to make sure that they can thrive. Yeah. And they can survive in the city that they've lived in and loved for so long. Yeah, I was uh, I've been lately. I've been um trying to you know do do my support of uh, to support small business here in Long Beach and also in the brewery scenes the brewery scenes I got I got I got everyone was roasting me or hating me like Mega Man you're from you're from Long Beach how come you don't support a lot of the breweries here in Long Beach you're always in IE you're always here what you're always outside of Long Beach how come I got a lot of shit for that but you know like hey I live in Long Beach hey I go to all the breweries. I know all the owners. You know, they're all cool, you know, and everything. Is this that the reason why I don't have to expl explain myself, but I have to because there's a lot of hardcore craft beer people. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I go to, to, to the IE or to West Covina or to LA or this, whatever, is like, hey, oh, hey, these are all the breweries I go to. It's like, hey, if you ever guys have time, come over here to Long Beach. We got some good liquor stores. We got some good craft beer stores. Uh, there's a lot of beer caves. There's a lot of breweries. There's a lot of home brewers. Like, come on, just come oh, yeah. visit. So what I'm trying to do is try and... To go out there and promote our city, to come check out the small businesses, check out Fourth Street, check out Pine, you know the breweries, all the food, all the spots, everything. It's like, hey, you know what, Mega Man, he, he says something. I'm gonna go to Long Beach. I'm gonna go check out this brewery. I'm gonna go check out Liquorland. You yeah, know, there's a lot here, man. Yeah, I've had people come to my store from from pretty far out. Like they've come from as far as like the Inland Empire. They've come as far as like Ventura just to to get something that I've got. 
And it, it's humbling to know that someone is uh, willing to travel that far just to come yeah. to the store. And, you know, we always try to make sure we give everybody the utmost respect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as long as you're wearing a mask. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, as long as you wear your mask. because. No. But I still feel weirded out going wearing a mask. But if I'm eating, it's kind of weird if you go to any breweries and you eat outside, you take your mask off. And it, it's, it's, it's a thing. It's, it, it's it, kind of mindfuck. It, it is a bit strange and it is unusual. But if you're not ready to adapt... As a person mm-hmm. to any situation, this is definitely not as bad as it could be. Yeah, and you, everybody has to remain diligent and you know vigilant mm-hmm. in trying to make sure that they don't get themselves sick, but also has a responsibility to make sure they don't get other people sick. Exactly, and you know whatever that takes. If that requires you wearing a mask for five minutes in a store, hey, it's not that big of a deal. It's just a mask. Mm-hmm. It's just five minutes. It's okay. Mm-hmm. The workers like myself who have to wear them the entire time we're in our store, mm-hmm. you know, we we don't uh, like fuck it, man. Like you, you, you we're, we're wearing it for twelve hours, ten hours, eight hours a day, mm-hmm. and we're not complaining. So I know that you can do it too. It's, yeah. it's for five minutes, it's okay? It's for, it's for our safety. It's for your safety. It's for those around you. It's just just do, do do what you gotta do for a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's all right. Scarf up, you know, you know, grab a t shirt, an extra shirt, just just anything. Is better than nothing, mm-hmm. um, but it, it it's the effort that that means a lot more. I mean, the virus doesn't care about your efforts, but mm-hmm. <laughs> if you uh, if you at least try, it's it's better than just not caring. Yeah, I want to get that mask that has a hole in her, so you can drink your beers. <laughs> Have you seen those? I gotta get one. Anything I do, if I can get a beer and drink a straw and put it right, whatever I can do to drink, because I can't be drinking a bar and put it back down. At this point, Mega Man, I think you should get like a an IV bag. But I'll take <laughs> whatever. I'll, I'll do. I'll do whatever I just roll around uh, an IV bag. I'll do whatever I can. Inject it in your veins. I gotta do whatever I can. You know, just uh, beers. You know, but stay um, hydrated. Yeah. So, so once this COVID's done, I mean, hopefully we're gonna we're gonna bounce back when all the businesses, you know, come back and. It's gonna it's gonna be kind of like okay I don't have to wear my mask but I can still go out still and you know all the the beers I mean every it's like the sales of beers and liquors been going up. The sales of beers and liquors have been going up if you look at it from a certain angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, breweries and bars especially mm-hmm. they've they've lost so much they've lost so much money mm-hmm. and time and a lot of them have actually shortened their brewing calendars because they don't have the manpower. Mm-hmm. to make these beers at the same rate and they're not selling them at the same pace because there's no one coming into their tap rooms so they they're they're having to rely on stores like mine and the others in the area to move product mm. a lot of breweries have started canning ahead of schedule a mm-hmm. lot of breweries have been upping their the things that they would put in crawlers like there are certain specialty beers that you'd never see in a crawler or or can it was all draft only those beers are now being put out really yeah well, can you name like a brewery I mean, there's, for example, I mean, you can go to the BioLogic. BioLogic was putting a lot of. I saw those cans. I saw that because yeah, you were. I think we we're like, how, how rare is it that you see a growler of a, of a can of a BioLogic, and you guys had it? Yeah, it was it was crazy stuff they were putting out in crawlers just to to help. They they made the beer. They didn't expect COVID to happen. They made mm. the beer, but they don't want the beer to go to waste. Yes, and they don't want to lose money on it. So they're gonna they're gonna do what they can. And they were putting them in crawlers, and they were selling them to stores to try and help get rid of it. Like, hey, take they went to your store. I don't know. They, they, I ordered some of the beers from them directly. Huh. And they came in crawlers and they're like, hey, you got a few days to sell this because these aren't shelf-stable beers, but we want you know people to have them. And oh, shit. People who can't make it out to Orange County. So, you know, here, here are these beers. And we're like, yeah, cool, awesome. We'll, we'll sell them. 
in a timely manner. And you know, as the time went on, I kept lowering the price because if people weren't buying it, I got to do something to get it off the shelf. Gotcha. And I think only one of them turned, and I had a customer come in and complain about it. But I, I, I hooked them up because it was I don't I don't like wow. giving people you know stuff that's that's bad. That's I've been hearing about bottles. Like some beers, you have to get it, but if it once it turns, it's like. Oh. Yeah, but it's a growler, you know, like it doesn't have a good, it's only good for what, seven days? Oh no, look, this is a crowler, the can version. And the yeah, oh, okay. 32 ounce, yeah, can. Yes. And it, uh, it, they, they last like three or four days depending on the beer. Oh. Depending on who was sealing it. it it's, it's Because really, some can last maybe a week and a half, yeah. maybe a week, the most. That's the idea. But see, the truth is uh, only when you drink it. Like you, you only know how good it is when you've opened the can. So it's one of those things where it's never consistent because the the process is so uh, right then and there. Because it's not sealed like, tight. It's just not sealed the same. It's temporary. Way. It's a temporary. It, yeah, yeah. It's not meant to 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 be shelf stable. Like a regular canning process requires a lot more involvement. There's a lot of uh, gases involved. It's yes. in the can to keep mm-hmm. things shelf stable. So there's a lot of things that are used in the canning process that are part of the canning line that one doesn't have ready when they're trying to do a, a crowler fill. They just they just fill it from the chop and shut it. And so you don't have a shelf stable product when you're taking that home. It's not the same same thing as as a regular beer, a regular can. Yeah. Yeah. When I get well, like a growler, like a like a big can, I, I know it's like you know what, I'm gonna I'm that I'm gonna drink that either today, tomorrow, or the next day. Three yeah, days the most that's for the me. Idea. And you know, and some people that are that are traders, they you know, they they've got some beers and you get lucky with some of those beers that can sit around a bit longer than uh, others. Oof. But you're taking a you're you're taking a big risk on that. You'd be surprised. Some of them actually don't they end up actually lasting pretty well and sometimes they uh they don't. And oh. it, it may have a lot to do with the brewers, the brewing process or who canned it. There's a lot of factors there, but oh, yeah. a lot of them are inconsistent. You can't really track which ones are the ones that are keeping that beer fresh. But The yeah. only growlers I get are, are, are anything locally. Oh, yeah. Like if it's Liberation yeah. and Trademarks. Trademarks just had the new can system already. Oh, yeah. And I was like, because I was, out of all the breweries, I was worried about them the most. Because they put so much money into that brewery. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, when I used to work at Beer Lab, there was, um, I, I was I was one of the first employees they hired. I was I was there. Before. Shout out to Levy. Oh, yeah. Levy and Harmony. And um, <clears throat> it was a different different era like yeah it was a different time like i watched them build that brewery from the ground up mm-hmm. and you know and it was it was it was labor intensive and there were a lot of hiccups and it took a, a long time to open so you know kudos to any brewery that's that's open and making drinkable beer like i honestly just drinkable beers like at, the, at that point you're exhausted from all the, the legal stuff you're exhausted from all the the purchasing of all the tanks and installing everything, the glycol system, making sure everything is running properly. Uh-huh. And you're not even sure that your first few batches of beer are going to even taste good yet. Huh. you got to calibrate everything. you got to get used to the, the scaling of the system if you've never worked on the system that size before. Mm-hmm. You get so many things. Like people who homebrew will tell you this as well, uh, other people that homebrew, um, that scaling is, is, is hard. It's not as simple as people think it is. When you just say, I'll take this five-gallon beer and I'll turn it into a 10-gallon beer or a 15-gallon beer. It, there, there's a different math necessary to know how to scale properly a beer to spec and make it taste good and look good and all those things. Because mm-hmm. you can easily take a five-gallon beer that you've perfected and then lose it in a 15-gallon batch. Fuck. 
because you didn't scale it properly. Not enough yeast, not enough to, to the sugar ratio. Yes. It, it, it's, there's so many things the science. going on in that. <clears throat> and if you don't know how to do it, then you're opening a brewery. It's just going to hurt you in the long run. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, home brewers that, who follow the podcast. And there's a lot who are like, man, how come you don't work at a brewery? He's like, Megan, man, this is a hobby. If I was in my late 19 or 20 years old, I would do it. But I'm not going to quit my job or lose all my benefits and have a family to go work at a brewery where I have to start over from scratch. Right. That, but they're killers. Oh, yeah. I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll recommend two people for home brewers. Uh, Julian Reyes mm-hmm. from Mojo's Brewery. Okay. He makes, he's from Downey, makes one of the best, probably one of the, he's probably one of the best home brewers I right, know. I follow him on Instagram. Oh, so good. The and, uh, logo, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, Larry from Bipolar Thread. He's from Chino. Yeah, uh, yeah, he uh, he makes good beers, and he was self-taught. He has been making beers for almost like four or five months. Mm-hmm. And when you have that brewery out over there in Pomona, was a homage, homage. Oh yeah, homage brewery. He knows the owners, mm-hmm. and they go to his house. You know, they know each other. He's like, bro, do you make this beer? I said, yeah. It's like, bro, this is fucking good. Hey, you know, sometimes you, some people just have a gift. Yeah. Some people, some people know the science. Some people have a love for it, and that, yeah. that sometimes that love for for brewing, that love for beer, uh, transcends any any knowledge you could possibly have. Some people have gone to brewing schools, and they can make good basics, but they don't have any innovation in the beer. It's just mm-hmm. like, oh, we're making a Kolsch. Okay, yeah, great. This is this is very by the numbers brewing, but it, even then, that takes skill. Even with uh, with Beer Thug Life, you know, like when you have Beer Zombie do collaborations. Mm-hmm. Beer Thug Life, he's there making the beers. I've been to his house. Mm-hmm. He has a, like the ingredients of what beer he's going to make and this, whatever. And he makes very delicious beers. Oh, no. Beer, beer Thug Life is awesome. And his, and his wife, um, they, they're doing a lot of things for you know inclusion in the craft beer community. Mm-hmm. And again, kudos to them and, uh, and, and Crowns and Hops. Like that, that's just the idea that they exist. And breed inclusion in the in the in the society of beer. It's just yeah, it's fantastic. I he's a, he's a hilarious dude. I've met him one time. <laughs> he, he wouldn't remember me because he was blitzed when I met him. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's he's such a good guy. He's just fun, you know, teddy bear man. And just, just he just chugs chugs all, all, no matter what just I, because this is hilarious. Chugs and talks. Chugs I, and talks. I only chug some of his beers or only the beers from LCB. <laughs> Yeah, uh, local crappers they don't mess around either. <laughs> Though I love I love what they're doing LCB over there at Tehachapi. Um, they're just just bringing out killers after killers after killer beers. No, there's nothing else to do out there. So oh well, yeah, <laughs> the, always, well, the only thing I the only thing I worry is that when they always tell me Megan, man, you got to come out here and say, okay, first of all, let me go get a hotel because I am not driving drunk for two hours and shit. Yeah. Because their tap room they have a lot of strong beers. And there's no way I'm gonna make it to Long Beach. Oh yeah, that's how I felt when Brewery was uh was was new. Like when Brewery was first putting out a lot of beers, you go to their tap room and it was like, they had this like six foot tall chalkboard, mm-hmm. back in the day, and then uh, and it had it to, like thirty beers on it. What brewery is this? Brewery. A brewery in Placentia. Oh, uh, brewery to room. Which is brewery? Yeah, they're. Oh, they're, oh yeah. They, um, before they started the offshoot thing, gotcha. and all their beers were like. 12% or higher. Shit. Like, getting a flight there was like a flight of death. You know, really, like, it was like five beers, and you're just here. The lowest one is 12%, and the highest is like 18, 20%. You're like, what, what the hell? The what heck? are you guys doing here? Like, what is this? And it was gnarly stuff, too. It was like, you know, it tasted okay, but it was like, 
oh boy, like I'm, I'm strap in. These beers are gonna hurt you. Like they, they a beer flight. Around. Yeah, one flight, and you would you'd be doomed. You know, four ounce pours, five of them, but at twelve to eighteen percent each, it's just like oh my god. The strongest beer I ever had was a Black Tuesday. Oh, you never had a black market. No, you never had black, a, black the dogfish head stuff. The one twenty. Yeah, where you need the Avery oh stuff. yeah. I had the I had dogfish. I had it would think I don't know if it was a one twenty or oh, one yeah. one one fifty. One of those, but uh, I had I had just bought just a bottle of yeah, it. The one twenty minute. Yeah. One twenty. Sixteen percent. It took me no lie. I'm not exaggerating. It took me close to three hours to drink that <laughs> because it was because that was the only beer ever in my life that was so strong. It's like whoa. This beer is going to beat me up. It's a hoppy cocktail. Movie. Very hoppy. <laughs> it, it took me three hours of drinks. Like, what are you doing? Sip, like, sipping it. It's like, here, you drink it. It's like, fuck that. Yeah, yeah. That's, a str- that's the strongest beer I've ever had. Because there's a... I think you might, you might need to get out. There's a lot of beers out there. There's um the Avery <laughs> stuff, like the Uncle Jacobs and the Tweak and the... Um, Union Jack has some strong Rockers. beers. I haven't had their stuff. <sighs> Union Jack... I they used to have they well they had stash bar and V room had it okay and I bought some because I told I told Candace give me the strongest beer you ever have yeah. and so we got some Union Jack so what's the percentage on it it's eleven point two oh, I was like okay it's an IPA with the two bears yeah. and I drink this like oh. I was like dude I'm done oh boy I I I got what I wished <laughs> but it was I had two bottles of it but it me it was really really good but it hit me. And I was like, man, you can't be messing around with these 11s or 12s. Yeah. So what I had to do is I had to go think, like, hold up. How am I going to adapt to all these strong beers? Work your way up. Build your palate up. Drink some styles. Drink some 10s. Lever. Get used yeah. to Take it. Stuff time. like Take your time. You can't hop into that, though. No, but I was drinking them fast. I was just like, bah, 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 bah. Oh, yeah. Death wish. See? I <laughs> fucked up. So now I take my time, no. you know, and stuff like that. Like, what, what I have, like this one right here, like, this is a 10%. Oh yeah, I could drink these like like nothing, but cheers, you're gonna get motherfucker. cheers, motherfucker, Ch- triple ha- <laughs> triple hazy. But that's the thing when you have a ten percent, and this one's like what a seven percent. It's like okay, you're gonna get a good buzz, yeah. but sometimes I don't feel it, but I feel it in the end. Mm-hmm. You know, I wake up with a headache, or when you drink a lot of hazies, you sweat more. I've never had that issue. That sounds like a that may be a Mega Man issue. That's a Mega Man. <laughs> when you drink when I drink a lot of beers, I sweat more. Is a lot of people say it's the hazies, and you drink you drink a lot of hazy. It's like it's just really the sweat. I mean, like maybe there's your body's putting more energy out into uh, digesting it because there's mm-hmm. depending on the hazy beer, there's a lot more oats and wheat in it, mm-hmm. and maybe that uh that high starch might yeah. be causing the that kind mm-hmm. of reaction. But I can't say I'm not I'm not that level of scientist, right. but I can only speculate. What's your go to? What's your go to beers? You're like what you're drinking right now. I'm drinking a lot of things, man. I don't have a preference for anything anymore. Mm-hmm. I've learned to just enjoy them all for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my go-to beer of all time is, uh, it's got to be Old Rasputin. Um, oh, really? Oh, yeah. Old Rasputin. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> Old Rasputin is one of the best and consistent beers you can find on the market. It's a solid 9%. Yes. It's a definitive Russian Imperial Stout. And you make it as a beer float, too. Oh, yeah. You can do anything you want with that thing. And, you know, I know a lot of places, they, they only put out kegs for nitro systems. Mm-hmm. But if you, just the beer in the bottle, you pour it out in the glass, you drink it, it's a solid stout. And there's nothing, it's as close to perfect as I can think a beer can be. Because it, it nails it for me in every sense of the word. It's true to the style. Mm-hmm. And you can get it at an affordable price no matter where you go. It's, it's anywhere between eight ninety nine to ten ninety nine for a four-pack. Everywhere you go, it's right? good, it's, and that's consistent. It's a good. solid price point for a yeah. four pack of nine percent 
near perfect stouts that's mm-hmm. the same whether you drank it 10 years ago or 10 years from now mm-hmm. and that you can't really beat that in a world of ever-changing beers and recipes changing from brewery to brewery to have a beer that that's that consistent and good is, is a is a gem so. My go-to beers, but it, it's very seasonal. Like Founders, uh, when they have that breakfast stout beer. Yeah, see, I don't fuck with Founders anymore. That one, and Anderson's Valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have the Summer Celeste. It tastes like a caramel beer. It's really, really good. Yeah. And uh, uh, Labatt Blue, you know, okay. Pilsners. There's some good Pilsners Canadian out there. Stuff, yeah. yeah, and uh, there's another brewery. There's another beer I forgot, but it's one of my go-to beers. I've, I have a brain fart right now, but it's 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 really, really good. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of good beers out there, and I was like, okay, we can, I can mess with this. I can mess with this. This is not bad. Oh, like uh, STS uh, from uh, uh, Russian Rivers, okay. the Pilsners. I like drinking that. I try not to drink a lot of the Piney of the Elders. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 you know, like whatever. And I, has, I had one bottle. I tried Piney of the Younger, and I was like, okay, it's, it's hype. That's the thing. And then, you know, with a lot of these beers, it's, it's hype. And some of the hype's well-deserved, and some of the hype is just the myth and legend of a beer. Yeah. And, you know, because some of, some of those beers have been around for so long, like, like you can't find Arrogant Bastard anymore because they stopped making it for now. Mm-hmm. And that beer, I'm pretty sure, is going to become legendary in its own right. That was, my, that was my first beer, craft beer I ever had. See you know what I mean? Like, now you can't get it because you still find it everywhere. It's the birthday, the big bottle. Oh, the giant mm-hmm. one with the lock on top of it? Yeah, <laughs> that's, the one I, that's the one I have. The three liter or whatever it is? Oh, the beer I forgot to mention, Ivan the Terrible. Oh, okay. That, that one's, that was like, a, that's my go-to beer. Mm. Yeah, but you can buy a bottle, single, or a four-pack of that. But the but the uh, the Russian River, the Piney of the Younger, it was hype. I was like, wait, I and they, that's how I was talking to some of the the people who worked there. It's like, dude, this beer is like the similar taste of El Segundo Power Plant. Mm-hmm. It's like the similar, but the, the El Segundo Triple Plant, Triple mm-hmm. Power Plant, yeah. is way better than the Piney of the Younger. That's, that's the, my that's my opinion. And, and again, they they I guess they they only bottled it this one time, and mm-hmm. that was more of the hype because usually you just have it on draft. And most places would have it or not have it, and I think that's I, I know Rush Rivers got they got a lot of great yeah. beers, great brewery. But I'm, I'm gonna put this cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but I do I do believe in my heart of hearts that they you know while they do mean well while they do have good beer, that you're you're paying a hype tax on on their products and the fact that they don't want to distribute to just anybody and that whole exclusivity thing, I, I feel like it's it's that time needs to end. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're going to end up falling behind. There are so many breweries catching up with what they've been doing, and they've been doing it for so long, but they've never really, they've kind of stopped innovating. They've kind of stopped making more new or interesting beers, which is fine. Their beers are fine. They don't need to innovate, but the problem with that is, is that people have gotten to that point where they've had good IPAs now, and now their tastes are starting to change, and there's only so many people who are going to still want that. Like people are gonna—it's like a pendulum. People swing into the crazy side of things for a bit. Things get too crazy, they swing back to comfort and and normalcy. And with beer, especially good beers like Russian River, you—that's that's like a safe haven. Like, wh- where do you go when you want a good West Coast IPA? You're mm. gonna go to El Segundo. You're gonna yes. go to Russian River. You're gonna go to these breweries that have pioneered themselves on hops and using them correctly, getting good IBUs and solid beers. Mm-hmm. They may not be the most innovative, sure, 
and they'll do well to stay where they're what they're known for. But you know the um, the zeitgeist changes almost on a daily basis. You know, you, you are lucky if your brewery is good at one thing, and then you can survive when all your fans go to the next thing. And hopefully, you'll still be there when they come back to you, depending on how long that pendulum takes to come back around. That's like Monkish. It's like this non-stop selling out, even from the COVID. They're still selling out. Monkish is a funny, a funny company. Um, when I first heard of Monkish, they were one of my favorite breweries because they were brewing these exciting Belgian-style beers. They were, they were this, like they're they're feminist and all, and all that. Though all those beers were so good and unique to me, at least at the time. It, I guess it just wasn't doing it for them. I don't know if they were gonna, they were gonna go out of business or what happened but they started making IPAs and the rest is history but I, I, I missed when they were the innovative Belgian style brewery which is where the name comes from it's monk-ish monk as in the Belgian Trappist monks that made those styles of beer gotcha that's you know it was, it was, it was kind of a play on words like yeah we're, we're monk-ish because we're going to take the traditional Belgian style stuff and we're going to start tweaking it and adding things to it and make it exciting and, and unique and at least as far as I understood it and it was it was awesome for that time. This is like 2013, 12, and they were still a relatively small brewery. No one really heard of them. It was in like a hopping place, mm -hmm. and yeah, then it blew up. They they used to sell in Long Beach. They, you couldn't even get their beers anymore. Mm -hmm. And then they started making IPAs, and you know they're just like that. It's just all like that, everybody, everybody wants to know what's going on with Monkish. Everybody wants to trade for Monkish beers. Monkish has gotten this legendary status now mm -hmm. in the trading game um, because of their, their IPAs and so on. Mm -hmm. Around that time that, that New England-style IPAs were coming around, they were one of the first to really jump in on that. And I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. When it, when it became a thing, like, they were one of the first breweries in the area to really jump in on that immediately and stick to it. And I think as far as like other breweries that have come in later and maybe done a better job in some ways than they have, and and they keep learning from one another. But mm -hmm. yeah, they, the Monkish made a name for themselves, and it's become almost synonymous with like East Coast breweries like Trillium and Tired Hands and things. So mm -hmm. you know, kudos to them. They 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 first at first they were like they were never gonna make IPAs. They were like fuck IPAs, fuck mm -hmm. that stuff. And then I guess as a business decision, they were just like, okay, we were wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, but now when you think, think of Torrance that, you know, all these breweries are opening up. They got Strands Company, you got Dudes, you got, like you said, you got Monkish, you got Smock City. Yorkshire Square, yeah. York, yeah, yeah. I haven't been there yet. Oh, man, um, you gotta check it out, man. It's because it's, they sell, like, a lot of English pubs, like Stouts. They sell English-style beers. So gotcha. you're going to find some old-world styles that aren't made often over here. Like, like kind of like New Guinness in a way? No, or like, more like ESBs. Um, gotcha. Like English bitter styles. That's what I like. You're gonna find things like cask beers. Mm. You know, they're kind of flat-ish. Um, you can taste the flavors of the malt more because there's less carbonation. I like there. malt beers, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's 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 a, it's, it's an interesting brewery. Uh, good barley wine, you know that kind of stuff. It's just Oof. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and again, not really. They're not trying to go for strength. They're not trying to kill you with the barley wine. It's like no, this is all about flavor and gotcha. technique and style. And they take a lot of old recipes and make those. It's a really great place. Like if you ever get a chance when COVID's over or when I'm gonna go. not over, I highly recommend checking them out. I had a, uh, I had Genevieve on my podcast. Well, she used to work at Yorkshire, then she was working at uh, Liberation. 
Then she's, I know Genevieve. Genevieve, yeah. I think she's at Smog City, the one at the, the tap room. I was just hanging out with her yesterday. Oh, tell us, tell us what's up. <laughs> Shout out to Genevieve. Yeah, she was telling me about that, so I got I gotta make a I gotta make a trip over there to Torrance. Oh, sweet. Yeah, she's uh she knows all her stuff and everything. Oh yeah, we had a nice long chat. <laughs> oh man, so um, living in Long Beach, you know all the craft beer stores and breweries. I mean. I guess in a way, Long Beach for all of us, we're just like family, dude. We know each other. We know the brewery scenes. We we just know everything, you know. Yeah, it's a pretty close knit community. I mean, if you're if you're good, so you're gonna someone's gonna hear about you. If you're bad, someone's gonna hear about you. Mm. <laughs> it's, just, it's one of those things where in this mm-hmm. city, uh, you can you can very quickly make or break mm-hmm. uh, if you're not treating people right. If you're not putting out oh, yeah. quality product. If you're not if you're not doing your due diligence. Mm-hmm. If you're lying, if you're fake, if you're anything of that nature, people are going to know. There's a lot of people who listen. They're from Long Beach and a lot of craft beer people. And, you know, even I have uh, Dennis from Craft Beers oh, of yeah, Long Beach. I love, I love that guy. He's always, he's, I always want to get him on. And, you know, he's always around Long Beach. He's always like, hey, what's the 411 of this club, this bar, this brewery? He's just everywhere. And, and that's the thing. Like, I always want to see all these breweries are growing. Yeah. You know, and there's gonna be more breweries to open up. You know, I mean that's that's the idea. Hopefully, you know there will, there will be a lot of businesses that that come out of this unscathed and and better than mm-hmm. how they went in mm-hmm. um, after all this stuff because people are going to appreciate them more. Mm-hmm. I think I think the benefit of having this pandemic right now, I mean, mm-hmm. the silver lining, is that you know a lot of things that we took for granted, whether we wanted to or not, um, we we missed them. And I think that that when everything's lifted, we're looking forward to giving those people our time mm-hmm. and our support and, and helping them thrive so that we don't lose them again. Because it's, it's a lot of businesses that aren't going to make it, that, are, that people aren't going to miss until they're gone. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this stuff could have been prevented. People weren't shopping those stores. People were shopping out of yeah. town. People were buying on Amazon, all this stuff. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you got to shop local. Long Beach has a lot of things here. Like, hey, you know, clothing stores, hat stores, everything. You know, people people that make like cobblers, they'll repair your shoes. Like we're yeah, we're one of those watches. Places, yeah, we got places that are very old school and very new school simultaneously, and you got to keep those people around. You know, it's 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 there's a quality to having community businesses and and and, and keeping that sense of community like together. I get it. Nothing against the other cities, man. Just but you know, you you want to see your neighborhood. Pick up. You want to see your local liquor store do well. You want to see everything. Your, your local taqueria. You know, like you see like, some good business. You know, you want to see them. Holy molies. Yeah. <laughs> all, all the holy molies. You, you just want to see. You want to see them do well. You want to see them survive if they're putting out good product. You know, yeah. If they're not putting out good product, you want them to learn from their mistake and either shut up their store or get get good. You know, like, and you give them the time to repair and adjust and. And figure their things out, you know, and that's that's what a good community does. They they push everyone in the community to to thrive and to improve. That's what I love about Long Beach. When after that protest was done with all the riots, the next day the whole city gathered and cleaned up. Oh yeah. Uh, that just I mean I was crying because this is how we care about our city, mm-hmm. and everything was cleaned up in six hours. Oh yeah. And we you know when you see a, ga- a whole bunch of people and they're going up to you it's like hey do you need help? We want to clean you, want to help you clean whatever. It's like. How often do you see that? It's yeah, not not very often in Long Beach. I mean, in Long Beach, a lot. This Long Beach is that kind of place where you'll you'll see just as soon as you'd see some terrible things happen because we are a city of over uh, like what, half a million people. Um, yeah, you're gonna see something. You're gonna see, majority of the time you're gonna see something great. 
I mean, you, oh, can, you, can, you can go to an app like Nextdoor and you can see all the people complaining about different things, but at the same time, you see so many uplifting stories that are that outweigh all the crap. Like, oh, the parking, oh, this and that. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure, but when you see someone, like, actually taking the homeless and into their homes and giving them a shower and a meal yeah. and, and just a place to sleep and thankfully they're not stabbed but yeah <laughs> they, yeah but they're, they're they're trying to do something that they feel the city is failing to do and taking it upon themselves and i, I can't think of a better place to be yeah There's some really good neighbors in here some really good people really good community i love long beach and that's one of the reasons why i'm maybe more move, like if i don't know if i want to move to downey i want to stay in long beach because this is home and maybe my lady we love this you know we go to all the places and when this COVID happened, I, I didn't go to certain areas, you know, because of small business. And it's like, well, I've never been here. It's my first time. And, and socializing. And be, and because of social media, you know, I follow Reasons to Love Long Beach. Okay, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and uh, she promotes the city so well. And I just want to go check out this. Like, hey, you know, like, how'd you have heard about us? Oh, Reasons to Love Long Beach. It's like, hey, I want to go check this out. Hey, the, the beach needs to be clean. Hey, check out Fourth Street. Hey, let's go help out this liquor store or, or this small business. Or, or boom. He's like, you just want to see what's out there, you know, in Long Beach, oh, yeah. you know? You want to be, you want to be close with, like, you know, we're all, we're all family, you know? Oh, yeah. That, it's, I know. You know, even if, uh, you know, sometimes I see when everything's getting gentrified too much. And when I go down um, PCH and Martin Luther King, you don't see VIP records anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I missed that. Yeah, that place was classic, man. Like, it's, like, I remember growing up, and, and there was a lot of, like, CD stores that had, like, similar logos out in L.A. It was kind of, it was kind of the thing. But VIP was, like, iconic. That was, like, a legendary spot. Mm-hmm. Like, they used to have these big posters up on the wall, so you knew what the next, like, Snoop Dogg album was going to be. Like, I remember, <laughs> like, I remember even the, the next Tupac album. Like, you, you would see that big poster with that album on there. And mm-hmm. you didn't see that anywhere. You didn't see advertisements for hip-hop music, mm-hmm. uh, for rap, or anything like that, just out there. Like, you go to Circuit City, Best Buy back in the day, it was, like... Nothing. You saw. You saw like the next REM album. You saw the next like REM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you saw like different types of music, but you know, no, no one was supporting and promoting rap and hip hop culture like VIP was. Like they really did heavy promotion. For, yeah. For for that kind of music. And you know that whole story with the, the owner from VIP Records. Hmm. I'll, t- I'll, when we're, I'll I'll let you know. It's a, it's a podcast, and uh, my one of my boys, uh, Tony the Wizard, he had the owner of VIP Records. That wasn't he had about six VIP record companies mm-hmm. uh, stores in in LA, oh, yeah. and that was the own that was the last one, oh, yeah. and they were promoting promoting promoting. But that story was like wow. It's, but when all the iTunes and the downloads came with the Napster, it just it just killed everything. Yeah, it's uh, you know records are uh, are a niche market now. And you used to, you used to, be to go to records. You used to, be to go to the swap meet. You can go get records made. They would actually do like a like a remix record, <laughs> uh, like you could have like a like a best like a, a best of record, and DJs were taking them and remixing them and just it was crazy. Like yeah. my stuff was going on with records way back when, but you know nowadays you can just get a, a you know an MP3 thing and uh-huh. just throw that on there and press a button. You know, it's, you know it's what? Crazy. What? It, well, you know what intrigues me um, about Long Beach? Hearing like urban legends or stories. Uh, I had Fat Boys Club. They're over there. It's a it, shout out to Serenity and Jason. It's a clothing line over there on Seventh. I think it's on Seventh and I want to say Abispo. 
Okay. And um, Jason grew up with Tito, the Hood Santa. Okay. He was telling me a story. He's like, dude, you don't even know the stories what happened with Subline and, and Gwen Stefani? He said, what do you mean? Like, I used to go watch them in, in the backyards. It's like, what do you mean? You're talking about. He says, you know, right there on 4th Street, right there where Jerry's place, that breakfast place, mm-hmm. two houses down, that used to be a whole, some guy owned it. It used to be a big old front yard and backyard. Well, he had Subline play. I think the pricks were over there. And uh, no doubt was there. Oh, wow. Playing, playing in the backyard, and there was like, and some other people, some other uh, ska bands and shit. Like the whole thing, what happened with you know in Long Beach, it was like, it was a mecca of, of reggae. You had Snoop Dogg, Subline, you had everything, and it was like, hearing stories like that about Long Beach, about places like what, like that should happen in the backyards. Oh yeah, there used to be a different club that's down there where the uh, the new Walgreens is, um, mm-hmm. Walgreens, Walgreens, um, Whole Foods, Whole Foods, Whole the one that's over there by the Marina. There used to be a uh, like a, like a venue right there. Sachi's. I don't know if it was Sachi's. It was that, that place that had the big anchor. Yeah, that's Sachi's. Yeah. Sea Harbor. Yeah, exactly. That yeah. was Sachi's because back in the day. It'd be a punk like Mecca. Yeah. Go over there shows all the time. Yeah, we would go to the gas lamp mm-hmm. and it would close in a certain time and say, okay, all of us will go to Sachi's. And they used to go, and we used to go there like around 12 to like maybe 2 o'clock in the morning. And they have like 80s bands and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. And I used to go to Alex's bar. Like, all that stuff, black, black light district before they closed it down. You know they had like a lot of heavy metal bands or Dibiases. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, like, on, uh, Anaheim. Yeah. So all the bands were all playing or over at PCH Club. Oh yeah. But there were some just some good spots. Yeah, but Sachi's man, they had some. Uh, they played. That was back in the day, but they don't have that stuff no more. Yeah, no, not anymore. It's like Four Street Vine now, and uh... that's a good spot for indie bands. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of good music comes through there. Yeah, you you go because you're always right. Or you're always in what Fourth Street? I live in that area. I live on Third, so I'm right there. Oh, you're right there. <laughs> so if you go to Fourth Street, you do you just go? Do you hit up all the dive bars? Uh, I try to avoid some of them. <laughs> well, I don't go to Red Room and I don't go to uh, Ferns. Yeah, Red Room's chill if you know who's there. Yeah, and uh, Ferns, I don't, I don't, I don't set foot in Ferns. I don't get to Ferns. There's always something happening at Ferns. Um, Pike Restaurant, maybe. It depends, mm-hmm. um, but sometimes I would just go to uh, the Four Horsemen. Oh, four, see, <laughs> Fourth Horseman's funny. Yeah, um, I used to work in that building before it was Fourth Horseman. I used to actually public beer and wine shop. Yep, yep. I actually what? The first employees when that place started too. Did you know there's a uh, what's her name Natalie? Uh-huh. I don't know. I think she still works at Brewery West. She does. I haven't seen her in a minute. It's been a minute. Oh yeah, because I know she had a baby and. But yeah, but she was always be there, and there was another one there, and um, I think the owner, oh, frick, he was the, was the agent, uh, Bobby. Bobby, yeah, haven't he sold it, and it turned out to be something else. And Gino and his wife tried to bring it back mm-hmm. and um, revitalize the idea of public, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it cost them more than um, than it was worth at that point. But they, excuse me, they really they really put their heart into it mm-hmm. in trying to make it something original and, and keep the original spirit of the company but yeah I, I it's funny going in there now and seeing some of the things that changed and some of the things that didn't change like, yeah i was there when they built that bar like that bar was built from the ground up really that hanging black awning kind of thing with the lights like i, I was there when they installed that and i remember when that room was just a big concrete room like it just it had no character it had no life nah uh-huh. and slowly it went from being you know a little small retail craft beer shop that you could drink in 
And, and you can you can get buy uh, buy wine too. Yeah, it was you can get wine. You get so there's a wine and beer store that you could actually drink in. Like you could buy the wine and drink it there, or you could get it by the glass. Yeah. Um, you could take beers to go or get it on draft. And it was one of the few places in Long Beach that you could do that in. Mm-hmm. And that and it was awesome. Like you, there were no other stores you could go into where you could actually get a drink to take home at the same time as getting a drink to drink there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think High Low is the new place that that has the same kind of format. And I know that Bottlecraft was supposed to have that same format, but something happened with them. I think Whole Foods screwed them up or something like that. Oh, Bottlecraft, the one over here on Liquid? At LBX, yeah. Oh. And they were supposed to have the same kind of format where you can come in and buy bottles to go and everything else and get something to drink. But I think there was uh, something going on with the landlord or the mm-hmm. licensing. Yeah, so yeah, they, yeah. they were forced to rely on only being a um, draft-only place. Mm-hmm. So... That that they were they were supposed to be another kind of like place where you can go and do that. I know Patrick's got the the ability too to to sell flights mm-hmm. at his place uh, at Stateside Crafts, and um, you can do a flight of a four. I haven't been there in a minute. Oh, you should check him out, man. He's, Patrick, he's yeah, that was good. years ago. He's still there. He's still doing good. He's still there. Um, Does he own it, or is, or is it's a lady who owns it? Huh? No, it's him. Him and his wife. Gotcha. Him and his wife Don own that place, and okay. uh, great couple, funny people musicians they sing they, they they're the most jovial bunch if you ever get them uh, all together at the same time it's, mm-hmm. it's a party automatically yeah um, i haven't been there in a minute be- and i used to go next door to jason's at dutch brew house Dutch's, yeah. yeah because they he's been he's been canning beers too and he made a, a delicious blueberry muff muffin hibiscus beer oh, that sounds good it's really good and he made a stout beer but it's really strong but he sells it in a small can yeah, I was like, oh, I guess I'll try it, you know. Nice. But yeah, but there's so many, um, there's, there's just so many good spots. Oh yeah, Bixby Knowles is uh, is killing it right now. Yeah. As far as like the the amount of breweries and, and craft places, like all the stores we're talking about are up in Bixby Knowles, Corks. Cal Heights area, Wrigley. Um, that whole area in the northern middle sector sector of Long Beach is actually doing really well. But I'd love to see some of that same love come down to some of the more middle areas like Zafaria. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zafaria could use a nice little uptick. Tenth Street could use something. There's a there's a lot of gaps in Long Beach. Yes, where, where people could use some 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 good stuff, some good restaurants, some good breweries, some some life. I think everything is always over there by Redondo and Broadway. I mean, in, in there's just certain areas where it's like all suburb, and then there's areas you could tell that there there should be something there. Yes. And there's nothing there, and you kind of just like I said, you go down Tenth Street, and it's just like, oh wow, like what what happened here? I could tell there used to be something here, and why is it not there anymore? And it, I feel like they need to revitalize that part of the area. The streets are cracked; it needs to be redone. And just that area needs yeah. some life. Tenth Street, yeah. The people who live in that area need need to have some stuff too, and they shouldn't have to go all the way to, you know somewhere down 7th Street or 3rd to get some stuff, you know, like to get mm-hmm. necessities, like to shop and get groceries or anything. It, they need stuff in that area too. It's always because of 4th Street. It's like you have a Ralph's over there. You have yeah, just yeah, everything. everything down down 4th, man. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, almost, it's almost greedy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like when you get down to all the way to the 4th Street Inn, you know, you know you're at the fr- my favorite breakfast spot. Egg, he- uh, was it? Uh, Excellent. Egg, yeah. Eggs, was it Eggslet? No, no. Egg Heaven. Egg, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one, they're always over there and stuff. And there's nothing over there, even on Broadway. They need to have like, maybe, I heard they're gonna make another brewery in uh, Redondo, in Redondo. I think Redondo and Fourth Street. Oh, or Broadway. I know those guys. That's the Trusted Gut Brewing. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, they, they've been they've been 
chatting themselves up quite a bit. So we'll, we'll hopefully we'll see more from them than just their merch. But yeah, you know, I I, I understand how difficult it is to open a brewery. Being it's... someone that worked in one that was that was just starting up. Mm-hmm. I may not know all the entire back end, but I do know that it's difficult. So mm-hmm. it's it's you know, I, I wish them luck, and uh, you know we just have to have as a community some patience with them and let them run things at their pace. I'd rather them take their time and never open <laughs> than to open immediately half baked. <laughs> so I'd, I'd rather you know them take their time and get open right and make and make some good stuff. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to them. They they seem like good guys. Uh, I've met them once or twice, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to be able to put out. That's what's up, man. We're almost at that time. So, everyone, get fresh beers. Uh, <laughs> what do you recommend? Tell us like, a little quick thing about fresh beers. They, they should be like, don't worry about the cans. Don't worry about the, the, the date. Don't worry about all that shit. Just, you make, just make sure you know that the beer has been through a lot before you get to it. And, you know, and of course, you're the consumer. Enjoy beer at a, at a rate that you feel is fair. And don't don't pay more, or don't pay full price for for old beer. But at the same time, do know that that beer is still good, and will last a lot longer as long as it's shown some love and it's well taken care of. But it's not immediately terrible, you know, when the date of the can shows up. I've had beers from Monkish that were over a year old that tasted phenomenal. So that that's how we're hearing. You know what I mean? So there's there's no there's no law of the land on that. Be careful, but you know, be smart. Don't just believe that the date printed on the can means that the beer is going to die at midnight that day. It's, it's, that beer can last a lot longer than you think. But <laughs> it's like anything. It's like the food in your fridge. You know, he says the milk said sell-by date. And you think it's meat's expired and you dump it out. You wasted milk. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's bad when it's bad. But, you know, hey, it's bad when the date says. I was guilty on that. When the date was saying, like, it was say December 12th, I would just dump it. It's like, dude, you can still drink it still. <laughs> I, I was an idiot. It's like, well, I just lost fucking three dollars. I mean, you're you're taught that that stuff you know matters very much when you're when you're little and you grow up and those those dates you kind of hold to them and you know when it comes to beer, knowing more is better. But to those who don't know, hey, I I get it. Hell yeah. But you know, freshness does matter, but don't let it be more important than how good the beer could still be. That's give awesome. It, give it a try. There's fresher beers that have tasted more terrible. So <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we're gonna end on that right there. But that was. Hey, fresh beer, good beers, and everything. And where can uh, everyone follow you at? Uh, so the store's Instagram page is liquor underscore land underscore long underscore beach on uh, on Instagram, and that's that's me you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I, I support asking me questions. If there's something you want to pick my brain on, yes. ask. Hit me up. Say, hey, do you have this beer in stock? Even if I don't have the beer in stock, if I know what store has the beer in stock, I'll try my best to direct you to the people that can get you what you want. I may not be the store that always has what you need, but I'll do my best to be a good person and help you find it. That, so that's that's what I try to strive for in my store is not sales. You know, we, we want to make sure people are having a good time with beer, a good time with their drinks, because you're, you're, you're drinking to enjoy yourself. It shouldn't be a stressful endeavor. And it shouldn't be about, you know, money. Like, the money comes later. But if you treat people with respect, you, t- you give them your time and you give them your attention and you help them and help guide them if you can through that beer journey or at least give them options that they can guide themselves through it it, it makes it better for everyone okay. you know it, you you want to be a place that promotes excitement for what you're doing you're going to drink regardless but you want it to be fun 
when, when he means what in my Mega Man's version, we just want to get fucked up. <laughs> yeah. So your uh, liquor land is right there on Long Beach by. It's almost before Wardlow and, Ala- and Long Beach Boulevard. It's, it's north of Wardlow, uh, between Wardlow and Thirty Fifth, and our mm-hmm. address is Thirty Five Eighty Long Beach Boulevard. Mm-hmm. We're also the location of the Green Olive Restaurant, which mm. is one of the best Mediterranean restaurants in Long Beach. We yep, have three, yep. lo- three locations now of Damn. the Green Olive. Uh, that all spawned from this one. So we have one on 5th in Long Beach near downtown. We have one in the Wilson High School area of Belmont Heights on Exemino and 4th there in the corner. Oh, I know where that's at. And so we're, we're, we're killing it right now. The, the food is good. The customer service is good. The delivery is good. Everything's, everything's good. Everything's working out. Hell yeah. Follow my boy Stan and follow Liquorland on Instagram. And just tell my boy, hey, Mega Man sent me. Um... Stan, thank you for coming on the Mega Man's podcast. I really, really appreciate Thanks it, man. Thanks for having me, man. It's been fun. Hell yeah. Uh, you can subscribe to the Mega Man's podcast. Uh, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. You can find my podcast on Apple, Google Play, Anchor, Podbean, um, everything. And if you can't find my podcast, uh, just uh, DM me on, on my Instagram at the Mega Man's podcast or my personal page at Mega Man 690 and I'll send you all the links to find the Mega Man's podcast. And like I said, follow my boy Stan. He's fucking killing it, dude. He's very knowledgeable in the in the beer game. And uh, hey, man, having the having having you on, it's like, dude, it was awesome, dude. It's awesome, very knowledgeable, very understanding. And I feel like on this, I feel like we need to do a part two because I feel like we only scratched the surface. I mean, hey, we'll see. Yeah. Other than that, man, Stan, Mega Man, we are out. Later, guys. Hell yeah.